0: Walker Kessler shines because he's Walker Kessler. Tony Jones has a theory on why the Jazz succeed. Let's look at it and see whether it's true. And Sarah Todd joins for the off-season interview series. It's all next on Locked On Jazz. Pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On
1: Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first list of the day today. Sarah Todd joins us, which I'm super fired up for. Utah Sports Broadcaster of the Year Award winner had a great year last year, does super work for the Deseret News. She's going to join us. First ever appearance on Lockdown Jazz. We've tried to coordinate over the years and never been able to. So really excited to have her on this week. I want to review something Tony said and Walker shined in Greece. So we'll talk about all those things coming up. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. Give us a follow. Five star reviews are much loved. Thank you very much for doing so. And thank you to the everydayers. Who make Locked on Jazz What It Is, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. And thank you for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, so Walker got a chance to shine against Greece. It's an interesting, I mean, why Walker shine? Because Walker's good. Like, and the international rules actually make for the big man to be able to have a larger influence. The the international rules allow you to play kind of a one-man zone. Allow you to uh, goaltend at the rim, allow you to do a lot of things that you can't do in the NBA that actually makes someone like Walker maybe more valuable. Now, the international game also has pass, passing moving. And so the instinct, I think, from Steve Kerr to start the year was to have the offensive prowess of Paulo Boncaro out there and his almost have him play like a Draymond and have him move and do all of those things. On the other end, you know, Walker really just brings you a defensive core to who you are. Now, I, I do think Steve Kerr, that game didn't doesn't mean anything. I don't think playing Walker, or playing Paulo is going to make a difference. Walker was the first man off the bench. There is a level here where, like, hey, if you're going to dedicate this much time, make this much effort to be here, we deserve to give you time, and give you opportunities. Um, and I think that's probably where the playing time for Walker stemmed against Greece, being the first man off the bench, was a little bit more of a, hey, this is one of our final. Um, games in which we we are, you know, it's a friendly, per se, using a soccer term, and let's give Walker an opportunity to play out of, you know, hey, if he's going to spend this time, right, out of respect. Uh, Steve Kerr, as is uh, Will Hardy, is also a very big believer in just kind of like, let's give everyone, you know, a little taste. Let's not get people starving on the bench and, and feeling disconnected. And so I think when you, that's what that stemmed from. But then Walker played great. So what's interesting is like when you get those nuggets, then you play great. I think there's no question that right now Steve Kerr is sitting there heading into this World FIFA World Cup, being able to say to himself, "Hey, you know what? Actually, I I feel better about the possibility of using Walker than I would otherwise." Like I think, um, and that's probably what Walker earned in this outing. He's just super good, right? He's he's got the quick second jump, he's got the verticality, he's got great hands, um, and he's coming into his own. And I think you know those coaches got to see it. And they got to see that he can do in-game action. He can just do a little bit more than you might anticipate him doing. So super great job by Walker. Great article by Tim Reynolds of the AP about Walker kind of having never been overseas before. So he's going to take advantage of all of this, eat as much different things as he can, have these experiences. He just Walker's just so mature, got such a great attitude toward things, uh, such, such a good kid. Um, and so we get to see that, and it's a great opportunity for him. Uh, so let's let's hope he still continues to get time. But I think he's earned the confidence of the coaching staff on Team USA to be able to be used uh, more. Tony Jones had a comment throughout the series of interviews last week that he believes that the Jazz will overwhelm people with their length and athleticism. This was, as I said, you know, um, at the time, it was not a way I had viewed us. Like, I was kind of doing a little bit more pragmatically. And so his viewpoint is that with the – with the likes of Lowry, Markkinen, John Collins, Kelly Olynyk, and Walker Kessler, we're just going to be so long and so big all the time. I thought it'd be worth just kind of taking a quick check on this and seeing whether I think there's no question we're long. Are we really more athletic? So let's look at some of the teams that you know are going to be in our neck of the woods. So Minnesota is one. Minnesota, New Orleans, Oklahoma City. Maybe the Clippers, maybe the Warriors. Like, I think we feel as though we're better than Houston and San Antonio, depending on what Victor does right now. We're probably better than Portland. And then from that point, I don't think you have a guarantee that we're better than anyone. So if we just got to run the Western Conference teams for a second. So so Dallas is going to start 6'8 in Luka, Kyrie at 6'3", probably Tim Hardaway Jr., um, or they, at, at the three, I, I guess like it's kind of not, you know, Lucas so big, they can do a lot of different things with that, but they don't have the Finney Smith. I don't think they'll start Josh green. And then they're probably starting Grant Williams or, um, you know, Dwight Powell probably goes back to their center. So that team is smaller. That is a smaller team, um, than some others, uh, that you might, an- than you might anticipate, uh, And I think the jazz could overwhelm Dallas with some size. Now that's got two, the two best isolation one-on-one players in the league, and then they're spreading it so that they can go to work, but that the jazz are certainly bigger and longer and more athletic than Dallas. Dallas is not trying to do that, which I think would be uh, the difference. The warriors, again, the jazz are in fact longer and bigger right there. And Same concept, though, with Steph Curry. Draymond Green and Kayvon Looney are their centers. We know the Warriors so well we don't need to begin. Certainly, Jazz are much bigger. And the Jazz showed this last year by dominating on the offensive glass. That's really where this shows a lot of it is on the offensive glass. Now, Minnesota, I don't think this is the case at all. Minnesota, while at point guard, Mike Conley's small. Anthony Edwards is a beast of a shooting guard. Jaden McDaniels is long and lanky. Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. We're not Nas Reed off the bench. Kyle Anderson is your backup point guard at six nine. With now Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr., we're we're not overwhelming Minnesota in any way with size and athleticism. Like we don't have that edge, and I and I'm not sure I buy this athleticism level on on a lot of these. Same thing with New Orleans. Like New Orleans starts C.J. McCollum as the one, Brandon Ingram at six nine as the two, Herb Jones at six nine or Trey Murphy as the three, Zion and Jonas. Like I, I i we're not overwhelming them with size and athleticism either. I don't think. um, so it's interesting the the concept is you know, you can decide like certainly not overwhelming, right? We could be matched to someone evil Memphis um is interesting because of the injuries, but they're going Marcus smart, Desmond Bain, their three is really a mystery right now. um Jaron Jackson, jr. Stephen Adams, like we're not overwhelming that size. that's I, I think this league has just gotten mammoth and Right. And the whole idea of of having playing two bigs when it was Gobert and favors was an out. You couldn't do it. But that's because they couldn't dribble, pass and shoot. Now teams all have guys who can dribble, pass and shoot. And so as long as you have guys who can dribble, pass and shoot, you can play as many bigs as as you possibly want to. And I think that's um, I think that's, you know, Jaron Jackson, Jr., 611 defensive player of the year. But he's also. Able to dribble, pass and shoot. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is able to dribble, pass, and shoot. So, at 7-1, he can play your power forward and stretch the floor. Steven Adams and Rudy play the Walker-Kessler-S center. In fact, both those guys overwhelmed Walker at times last year. Oklahoma City is, you know, it's not clear, like, how Chet Holmgren's going to play out. But if you kind of look at them, I'm suspecting they're starting Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddey, and Lou Dort. Out, overwhelming them athletically, I don't think so. Size-wise, certainly we're bigger. Um, Jalen Williams being the the wing, Jalen Williams, but Josh Giddy at six eight kind of changes that dynamic a pretty great deal on things. Shea Gilgis Alexander is what six five as a point guard? Is that like um, six six? I think is what is officially listing at. So they're six 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 eight with their guard line. Then Lou Dort was a physical marvel at six five, and then Jalen Williams at six seven six eight. We're certainly not out well outdoing them with athleticism so i understand where tony was going from but the more and i had not thought of it before and the more i dug into it i i I, that's a hard edge to find um i think our edge is gonna have to be togetherness 48 minutes um collective not entirely knowing where we're coming from at all times uh moving the basketball which is not necessarily a strength as, as you look at the roster but hopefully the system allows it um being able to kind of have a pretty even level team out on the floor for all 48 minutes to me is is bigger than the strength and athleticism um, than Tony talked about. But it's an interesting point. Like we're definitely longer. I don't know about athletic. You can have your opinions. Talk about it. On YouTube in the comment section. Feel free to hit me at DLock09 on the X Twitter and let me know what you think. Sarah Todd joins us next as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Uh, Murdoch's have been in Utah for over 90 years, bringing you the no regrets experience. And the Hyundai lineup of cars, just incredible. The Palisade is the King Poobah, the SUVs, and it's amazing. The Kona's the little zippy one. The Tucson and the Santa Fe sit right in between and are fabulous. We own the Ionic 5, which was the Motor Trend. SUV of the year, the electric, and the SUV, the Ioniq 6, they're electric that looks just like a Porsche, has one car of the year. So go check it out at Murdoch Hyundai. If you're going to stop by any of the locations, please let me know. I'll set you up with a meeting in Linden, in Logan, or in Murray and give you that VIP meeting with Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, I have, uh, Bird Dogs has been generous enough to send me a pair of bird dog shorts, and they are now my go-to shorts all the time Uh, and absolutely love them. Uh, They have stretch khaki shorts. are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, legs giving you a more truly sculpted look. I'm not sure that um, I look very sculpted, but they are. You know what? I used to be a Lulu guy. I'm now a bird dog guy, wearing those all the time. Uh, They have a great fit. Like Some of them are too relaxed. Like you, sometimes with the inner liner of shorts, you get too to relaxed. You can't work out in it, but those then aren't comfortable enough to wear every day. This is the perfect mix in between uh, the two. Stiff restricting cotton uh, is not the way to go. So these they have they have invented a cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki but stretches to make you uh, feel and move better. And the anti sweat wicking fabric keeps you cool and dry, which is awfully nice if you're in awful humid places and hot places like we have been. Uh, Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. the promo code locked on NBA for a free white tech hat. That's birddog.com slash locked on NBA or promo code locked on NBA for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you go check it out. Bird dogs at locked.com at locked on N B A. This is super exciting. Making her locked on jazz debut, which really is not that exciting for her, but is for me is Desert news writer, Sarah Todd. Everyone thinks the jazz had a great year last year. Everyone thinks Larry Markinen had a great year last year. No, 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 no friends. The person who had the great year last year was one Utah sports writer of the year. Sarah Todd had the great year last year. I would actually attest. I would back that up that not only did Sarah have a great year with all the writing, but the work you put in at the press conferences and everything else I used was more and more and more of your work throughout the year. And, and that's always a, uh, to me kind of as the one who's trying to relay to the fans through games and p- personalities, like that's just great work. So congratulations. You had a, you had a, uh, I don't know. If it's a breakout. Did you go from like top nine draft pick to top 20 player in the NBA, like Sarah Todd last year?
1: I mean, I think, you know, it's like, my 10th or 11th season covering the NBA. So it's hard for me to call it a breakout. (laughs) Um, But you're right. I did have a great year.
0: (laughs) That's what we love about you, Sarah. You did have a great year. All right, let's get into this. As we sit right now, you wrote recently um, that you kind of expect this to be the roster as it sits. Um, Are you surprised or in what manner are you surprised that this is the roster the Jazz are moving forward with?
1: I don't think that I'm super surprised. I mean, barring like a huge, crazy Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant type deal, like I think that uh, everything that we've heard from Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge has, you know, I don't, I don't think that they've steered us wrong in trying to tell us like we're tempering expectations. We want to see like greatness replicated rather than just going all in and being like, oh, we had a good, we found some good players last year. Like, let's turn like fast forward the timeline. Like they want to make sure that Lowry marketing can replicate that Walker Kessler can still replicate that. It wasn't just like a blip, you know, anomaly rookie season. So it's not super surprising to me that they're, that they're slowly going into things and that this would be the roster.
0: Danny kind of, I thought alluded to this a little bit in the closing press conference where like when someone asked him about like Walker's great year and his reaction was kind of like, yeah, he's pretty good. Like, I mean, he did fine. Like it was like, Like, hey, you know what? Actually, like I played with Kevin McHale. Like if we want to talk, great. Like I played with Larry Bird, right? I had Kevin Garnett. Um, I thought it was, I thought that was like an interesting moment where it was clear that he thought there was still a long way to go for these guys to be able to be, you know, of the caliber that you say, okay, let's go. Chips are in. Here we go.
1: Yeah, it's it's not like Walker Kessler came in and day one was just like standout, obviously going to be a part of the rookie of the year conversation. Like, let's not forget that he started the year out on the bench and like, you know, Will Hardy didn't want to start playing him more minutes until he could learn how to screen guys correctly. So like that was also part of that year.
0: It's interesting as they build this roster and this is happening in a few places. This is a league trend. The idea of having a Chris Paul, Mike Conley, John Stockton uh, type point guard seems to like Boston doesn't really have one. Phoenix doesn't really have one. Utah doesn't really have one. Like, league wide, do you think this is that big a trend? And is there, is it, and do you have any thoughts on why? I have a thought or two, but I want to hear yours first.
1: I mean, I think there's a little bit of a difference because you have guys now that are interchangeable between like three and five, right? And just because positionally things are changing a little bit, I think that you can get away from needing to have like a stable guy that only is the playmaker you don't expect. I think there's just expectations, higher expectations at each position for every player. And as talent across the league continues to get better, uh, those positions and the expectations for each of them are going to change. Um I think I think that there, it, it's a little bit different in the sense that there are guys across the league that you look at as being Mike Conley-esque, but they just don't look or play a hundred percent like. It. Like I would say that Luka Doncic is that type of guy, right? Like he also plays really well in the pick and roll and is a playmaker, and so is Nikola Jokic. Like those guys do play like that. They just don't look like it and have the same like you know six foot body.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the question is whether a six foot one guy can play.
1: Right. And there's a, there's like, a lot I, of questions.
0: We're switching everything now, one through five or one through four and you're six, one and you're stuck on a six, nine Kevin. If we run a switch and you end up on Kevin Durant, like that, that's not good. And so I, I'm really, I've been saying for a little while, I think the six, one guard is a dinosaur. Like, I actually had this incredible conversation with Mike Conley last year in Portland that he might be the first player in the history of the NBA that will retire and say, I was born. Thanks, mom. I was born at the right time.
1: Right. You right? know, they
0: all say, like, gosh, if I was born now, I'd be making right. Like Mike Conley might be the one who's like, Oh, he and Kyle Lowry might both be like, Oh, thanks, mom. Like at 6-1 we both made 250 million, and we can't do that now. I I like I don't know what you think the jazz starting line is to be, but i think there's a chance it's six four six five seven one six nine seven one like i think that's and i think that's going to be fairly common yeah and i don't uh
1: it's it's strange because there are some guys on this roster that fit into that right like colin sexton is as as we look at the nba now like an undersized guard and and that's part of one of the biggest questions for the jazz, like heading into the season is like, where does Colin Sexton fit in? Like, is he too small to be a two? Is he good enough at the point to be a one? Like those are, those are not questions that we fully know, but like both questions, I would kind of lean towards like, well, yeah. And no.
0: <laughs> are the questions the same? If you're starting, or coming off the bench. That's where I think a bunch right. of this is super interesting. Like I, I really, Tony Jones and I talked about this last week. Like Colin actually won me over this week, this year. I, I started the year on Colin. Like he can't do this. He can't, I kind of remember the Will Hardy press conference where he's like, this league frustrates me. It's a bunch of guys sitting around talking about what players can't do, asking them to do it. And then they complain. They didn't do it. Right. Like, oh, that's me with Colin Sexton. Like, he's like, how about we talk about their superpowers? And like, I kind of bought in on the idea of Colin Sexton superpowers as the year went on, but I might like Colin Sexton superpowers coming off the, bench right as of what we're talking about like John Collins has some parts of his game that I really love as a rolling big at six nine but maybe only against a second team that doesn't have a big monstrous big where you have to protect the rim that that's some of the things I think are super interesting about this ro- roster as they try to form it so the question that I'm asking you uh, after that monologue is I agree with what you just said but do you think that's true for all it's certainly not true for the final 16 wins you got to get but is it the same for all moments of a 48 minute game where these rules apply or are there ways you can fit in some of these players in different spots during the game?
1: Yeah. I think there's certainly ways that you can fit them in exactly what you said. Like maybe you like those superpowers for someone on the bench. I think that what depends then is like, once you actually get down to the final 16, right? Like if you're in the postseason, I think that those players have to have a level of defense. That's a little bit high. Like any, any, talent or sort of flaw in someone's game as we're looking at it in today's NBA era every time you take something away a little bit I think that you have to add defense that has to be answer. like okay well if he's undersized how good is his defense or like oh if he can't shoot the ball well how good is his defense like I think that that's how you actually stay on the court if you're one of those players when it comes down to like big moment games
0: can you stay on the floor if you can't shoot
1: (laughs) man your defense has to be so good (laughs)
0: I mean, like watching the playoffs this year, it was like Isaac Okoro's defense is pretty good. He just could like, he couldn't play like yeah. in every playoff series. It was like, we got like, we started every playoff series and within 30 minutes of the first game, it was like, okay, you guys that can't shoot, you you now are over here and the rest of you that can shoot, get to play.
1: Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, I've, I've been pondering this question since I started covering Ben Simmons in Philadelphia and it. I more and more every year, every day. I'm thinking like, if you're not going to be able to shoot the ball, if you play outside of the center position, and even sometimes then, like, it's really hard to play in this league.
0: And it's like, and it's even super interesting for the centers, right? We saw it with Rudy. That's going to be a question on Walker's development. We'll get into that later in the show today, uh, or maybe tomorrow. Um, I, I think that's there's so much to this. On and and you bring up Ben Simmons because I, I I think I finally have cooled, but I was a big. <laughs> I was very high on Ben Simmons still for a long time. Like part of me actually still is because every other skill is like so great that maybe, okay, you're the one like Donovan Mitchell at six, one can probably survive because he's so great at everything else. But it's interesting. Like, I don't know if Darius Garland can like, right. Can Colin Sexton? like how great do you have to be if you have this either size or skilled efficiency somewhere, you're saying you make up for defense. I, I think you just have to be superhuman somewhere else in some traumatic way. In the case of Colin Saxton, I see it as that first step. Like that's one of the best 10 first steps in the NBA when he goes and that makes him playable. Now, does it make him playable for all 48? I don't know. Maybe not the opening eight, maybe in the closing eight. Cause he can just beat people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how it works.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who's listened to me talk on any program about Ben Simmons knows that I'm all the way off that, that Island. <laughs> I, yeah,
0: I I actually just didn't get off and there's now no, uh, <laughs> there's no boats. <laughs> yeah. There's no boats. There's no electricity. There's no food. I, I'm actually starving to death on it right now. Yeah. unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I, the, the problem is, is and something that I've also started to do at least the last couple of years is really recognize when I've been saying things like, oh, this team on paper or this uh, this player on paper, I think that it was Zach Lowe who mentioned it where I heard it a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know, that's a really good point. It's like, they don't play on paper. Like, that's actually not where they play. And until I actually see it in person, I'm not going to believe it. And so, yeah, on paper, you've got all the skills and all of these things. But when it actually comes down to in-game stuff, like, that's what I'm going to base my opinions and decisions on. And so when we, when it comes to someone like Colin Sexton, I th- on paper. Yeah. Like he has these superpowers and he's incredibly coachable. I mean, he's like, yes, coach, no coach. Like he's that type of player. And uh, very funny last season, Will Hardy said that he kept calling uh, Colin kept calling Will, sir. And he was like, man, stop it. <laughs> like, I'm not that old yet. Right. And, and so I, I think that, yeah, on paper, there's a lot of good things, but just like whether or not it actually works in the NBA, uh, I'm not sure, but I think this season is going to be a really good test of that like the Jazz uh, and Will and his staff are going to have the opportunity this season to move things around and kind of see what works.
0: She's Sarah Todd, Desert News, Utah Sports Writer of the Year. We'll continue with her starting five for the Utah Jazz. Who does she have? She's written something. that's what she thinks. <laughs> see what she says she thinks they should be and what she thinks they will be. That as we continue here on Locked on Jazz locked on jazz today sarah todd along with us brought to you by FanDuel. thanks for everybody making locked on jazz your first listen of the day we are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on youtube love the conversation thanks to all the everydayers sarah todd with us you're starting not all right let's which do you want to do first your what you would do if you were the head coach of the utah jazz starting five or what you think the starting five will be? because I, I i read your stuff so i know a little bit um that you those are not the same what's where you want to start
1: uh, let's do what I think will be the real starting five. Okay,
0: what do you think the starting five is?
1: I think that it's going to be uh, Lowry Markkinen, Jordan Clarkson, Taylor Horton Tucker.
0: Oh! <laughs> uh, Walker Kessler.
1: Walker Kessler. And
0: John Collins. Taylor Horton Tucker. Jordan Clarkson, Lowry Markkinen, John Collins, and Walker Kessler. Okay, so the surprise there is the one that got my eyes to pop out. Yeah. (laughs) Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, Explain. Let's go zero in on that. Why Taylor Horton Tucker over... It could be it's over. I mean, this is what makes this year so exciting and training camp incredible. <laughs> it's over Colin Sexton. It's over Ochai Abaji with Jordan Clarkson playing the one. It's over Keontae George if you're just throwing the rookie out there. And it's over Chris Dunn playing the one. So it's overall like it this there's so many different iterations. So why did you go Talon Horton Tucker's what you think they will do? I mean, part of the trade bringing Talon
1: over was like finding out if he was exactly as we were saying previously. Is he? on paper what he seems to be on, like you see on the court what he seems to be on paper and i think that that experiment continues a little bit in the first couple of months if for no other reason than to see if they can get some value out of him before the trade deadline because if you start bringing him off the bench and if you are not looking to kind of if you have decided that the point guard Taylor horton tucker experiment is over then there's not really any value in any other team trading for him right and that's fine because he's on an expiring. And so the Jazz could be like, well, he's on an expiring deal and we don't think that he's the point guard. And so that's fine. We'll just bring him off the bench. That might happen. But I think the Jazz are going to try to get a little bit of value out of him while mm-hmm. they can.
0: I like it. I've gone Jort. Geor- now, what's interesting is I like that. I also thought we have yet to see in the first half of the season, the Jazz doing those kind of things. Our sample sizes last year, right? Last year, they just they didn't do any of those type of like, roster management substitution patterns in the first half of the year. They certainly did in the second half of the year after the trades were made and some things like that. Then they did some of that. Um, so it would be interesting to see if they start the year that way. I went with Jordan Clarkson and Ochai Abaji. Yeah but, I
1: I I think that if I think that if Will was going to start Ochai right out of the gate that he wouldn't have sent him to Summer League.
0: Hmm. Elaborate.
1: I just think, because the path last year for Ochai, I think that a lot of people are remembering like, oh, Ochai ended the season as a starter on this roster and he was like really aggressive. That's a really small sample size. Like we're talking about like 13 games where he really started to come out of his shell.
0: And And, and by the way, shot about 38% from the field and 30% from three in those 13 games.
1: Right. But the reason that he got those opportunities was not because uh, he kind of like rose to the top and got them over other guys but that there were other guys that were injured or that were sitting out like there was just available space and so it's a little bit different than what we saw maybe with Walker whereas like as the season progressed like yeah there was a moment where Kelly was injured for a few games and Walker came in but like clearly Walker was going to take over a starting position with Ochai. I don't think that it's exactly that clear. I think a lot of people kind of have rose colored glasses on when they think about last season with Ochai. It's like there wasn't a ton of time that he actually got thrown to the wolves in real legitimate, meaningful NBA games where he was a starting guard.
0: I think that's a great point. And I, it's funny is, Right near the end of the season, you have had probably the same thing as as when you have your reporter hat on. But like, okay, these are my final like days in which I can ask somebody like a question. Like, if I don't ask it today, like I'm not seeing these guys for like five months. Right. But I remember I asked. We were late. Might have even been in L.A. Frankly, like my visual, I'm very visual, and my memory is that very distinctive back hallway in right. L.A. We're all walking where I pulled somebody aside and I said, "Hey, when I'm looking back at this season, how do I evaluate the final 20, 25 games of this season?" And they said, you don't. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, what do I look at The Like, what numbers are real and what numbers aren't? And he was like, none are real. And I was like, that's an interesting perspective. Like, that, you know, maybe we're seeing things out of the player, but like, don't look at the number, like the number, you know, there's just, so that, that's it. Here's my thought on it. it. It was, I'll be honest when I, I did the rotation, I did a bunch of podcasts recently where we tried to fill out the rotation and actually a bunch of the everydayers did them as well. It was, it was great. People did a wonderful job. I actually had Ocha on the floor for like 48 minutes the first time I did it. <laughs> I had him starting cause I needed somebody to defend the best. I needed someone to defend Devin Booker. I needed someone to defend Steph Curry. I needed someone to defend the best. And then, and then when Lowry went off the floor, I needed someone to play backup three. So then I suddenly had Ochai the first time. I also had Kelly on for like – like I didn't have Kelly starting at first, but then I had like, well, I need a second ball handler. So then Kelly was on the floor like, oh, I need somebody who'll pass. Kelly's on the floor. Oh, I need a fifth shooter. Oh, Kelly's on the floor. Like, So Kelly and Ochai were like the two guys that like, I actually just had on the floor the entire time when I was playing yeah. ro- rotation. I think it's interesting if they're suddenly both coming off the bench because I do think they have skills that are necessities for the way this roster is built.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things. And also, what do the last 25 games mean uh, in the season? But also looking at and kind of, uh, you don't want to overanalyze anything from Summer League, right? But there are like bits and pieces that you should take away. And right, so, so what
0: did you take away from Summer League?
1: Ochai had 10 fouls in a Summer League game. <laughs> so, so that's something to keep in mind, right? Like, he's going to need a minute to reacclimate. And I think that that's, that's real proof of a guy who like was a rookie and part of the season was playing in the G league. And like, he just needs more time. Who do you, who would you put in the
0: starting lineup to defend?
1: Uh, Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn would be my
0: starting point guard. All right. Elaborate on that.
1: I mean, I think he's the best point guard on the roster right now. I
0: think you're still a believer that the game needs a point guard. I think I am too, by the way. is this Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I still feel like you want a point guard on the floor.
1: I mean, I think that from what we watched last season with Talon, with Colin, um, and then what we saw during the summer, Ochai was a little uncomfortable when he was kind of uh, running the point a little bit. And they experimented with that a little bit during the summer. Um, Keontae did great. I would bring him up. Uh, I would. He would be my backup point guard. I think, you know, the Jazz are not winning a championship this year. So why not throw him to the Wolves, right? Um, you could wait a little bit on that and kind of, Put him in some G League games and bring him along throughout the summer. Maybe do the Talon thing or the Colin thing through the first part of the season. But uh, Chris Dunn, he—I think that the what he did last season with the in the G League and then the reason that he got called up, revamping his offensive game—it looks so good. And he plays pick and roll like he—he's really good at that. The shooting was the question. And so I think that he revamped his offensive game and he's always been a defender. And so all of that put together finally in his career, like he's really good and I'm a believer in on that team friendly of a contract, uh, use it while you can.
0: <laughs> it's super interesting, right? You go dig in. Like the reason you might believe in Chris Dunn more than just that he had a blip is that the, his game soup is really different. He He's taking different shots. He's not going to the rim. He's taking that floater instead. There's, there's, you know, he he's evolved a little bit as a player to figure out where he can be successful and where he can't. And it's It's different enough that you say it feels like it could be real under that circumstance. You have done Keontae, George, Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton as your four guards at play.
1: Yeah. Unless you trade Colin.
0: She just leaves that dagger at the end of episode one with Sarah Todd. She's back with us tomorrow on the program. More with Sarah Todd all week long in the interview series. Just a dagger. Just a Sarah Todd right there. Boom. Boom. Got to love her. Desert News follower at NBA Sarah Sender. Thank you for being a part of the show. She's back with us tomorrow, so make sure you get ready for that. Thanks to tuning into Locked on Jazz. Thanks to all the everydayers that are out there. And thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day.